Today's sponsor is Headspace. You slept every night of your life, so you should be pretty good at it by now, right? Unfortunately, many of us don't get the quality sleep that we need and could use a little bit of help, and that's where Headspace has got you covered. It's your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. And while they have meditations devoted to helping you reduce stress and increase your overall sense of well-being, they have an entire library of sleep stories, sleep music, and other sleep sounds that can help you get the quality sleep you desperately need. And for busy lifestyles, they have what's called wind downs. It's meditations and breathing exercises that are as short as three minutes so they can fit into anybody's schedule. I personally use Headspace myself. I've tried out some of the sleep stuff. It actually works. Like to me, it actually makes a difference. So Headspace, it's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews. That's a lot. And over 60 million downloads. Try it today for free and start sleeping soundly. So right now, our listeners get 30% off Headspace's entire library of meditations. Just go to headspace.com slash sleep pod for 30% off your subscription, but only until May 12th. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash sleep pod today. Hey, Team Flynn. Today in this podcast episode, we're going to talk about five hard truths about writing and publishing books. A lot of you may know I have a new book coming out in less than a month. On August 13th, my new book, Superfans, comes out. And if you haven't yet pre-ordered it, you can. And if you do, you actually get the audiobook for free on launch day. So just go to yoursuperfans.com and you can submit your receipt there after you pre-order wherever you want to pre-order it, Amazon, Target, Barnes & Noble, what have you. But today we're gonna talk about some hard truths because I've been doing this for a while and this is my third book. And man, it's not easy and I've learned a lot and I'm here to share everything with you. So stick around. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, his spirit animal is half dolphin and half lion and really scary, Pat Flynn. What is up, Team Flynn? Pat Flynn here, here to help you make more money, save more time, and help more people too. This is session 380, and today we're going deep with writing books because I'm deep in the middle of promoting a brand new one right now. As you know, Superfans coming out very soon, and I'm just so thankful for everybody who has helped support it so far. But today I wanna talk about some stuff that you may not wanna hear, but it's important to hear because then you may understand how to actually fight through this when you write your book. And if you're like most people, you want to write a book. You have this idea, you have this thing in your heart, your soul, your vision of having a book published on the shelves or at least for sale on Amazon that uh, you could perhaps one day just share with people. And that's amazing. And most people in this world, I think the last time I saw, I think it was 80 to 85% of people have this idea of having a book in their life at, at some point that they've authored. But obviously the truth is most people aren't going to start writing the book and the people who do start writing their book, many of them don't finish. But what's interesting is that over time, especially with self-publishing on the rise, I mean, we're seeing more and more books come out at a more rapid pace. And it's because, hey, not everybody has to go traditional anymore. In 2017, the number of self-published titles cracked 1 million, which is really amazing. And that number continues to rise, obviously, as self-publishing becomes a little easier. All my books so far have been self-published and Superfans is self-published as well. But with that, I've also seen a, a number, at least in my own experience, reading more self-published books that there's just more errors, right? The quality is not as good as a lot of the books that are coming from traditional because traditional has teams. They have, first of all, the filter, right? 
not everybody gets to publish traditionally. So the filter is number one. But number two, once you are on board with a publisher, I mean, they're going to put a lot of resources into making sure that the quality of that book, both in the physical sense and also the quality of the content inside and, and the grammar and the spelling is great. So we are seeing a lot of that as well, which is really interesting. But the truth is, it's not easy. It's not easy to get started. And I've gone through several different book starts and have only completed three. And in each of those three books, Let Go, Will It Fly, published in 2016, and now this new one, Superfans, I mean, it's, it's always been a rough start. When you get that Google Doc open or you open Scrivener, which is an author tool, or anything to write, typewriter, doesn't really matter. You're staring at a blank page and it's one of the most difficult things to deal with. I mean, that writer's block is a real thing. And it took me a number of different iterations to understand how I best write. And I think that's really the trick here is to understand, well, what will get you to motivate yourself to just start writing? That's the most important thing. Just start writing. Back with Will It Fly, for me, it was starting to write Will It Fly as if I was writing a series of blog posts. And it was, number one, understanding what the outline was, but then one by one, piece by piece, whichever part I was most interested in. It wasn't a chronological order that I wrote that book. And the same thing with Superfans. I didn't write that in chronological order either. But obviously, in the end, you order things so that they are chronologically making sense for the reader, but uh, it was just getting started with treating my book as if it was a series of blog posts because I'm good at writing blog posts. I was terrible at writing the book because it was just this giant thing that was weighing on me that had to be perfect. But no, I could write blog posts. So every chapter became a blog post and that helped. With Superfans, even though I knew I could write a book, I still struggled. And part of it was just, I didn't think I had the time. And I think that's the major excuse that people have when it comes to writing your book. It's just, oh, I don't, I don't have the time or it's gonna take forever and I have all these other things to do, which is you know completely understandable. We lead busy lives and so do I. I had an event to plan and an invention that came out and yet I was still able to get Superfans done. How? Number one, I cranked on it every single day and I had a challenge to help motivate me to do it. I wrote Superfans in November of 2018 during a month called NaNoWriMo. Uh, the month is called November, but the challenge that month is called NaNoWriMo, N-A-N-O-W-R-I-M-O. And that is short for National Novel Writers Month. And this is a thing that's been going on for years to challenge authors to write 50,000 words in November. And I took the challenge starting on November 1st, 2018. I wrote every single day and no, I didn't finish 50,000 words or the end of the book by the end of November, but I finished in December. And that was good because once I started rolling, I started to notice that every day I started to write more and more. And I even, many of you might remember, on Instagram or Twitter, I shared a little screenshot every single day of how many words I was at, which motivated me even more to just keep cranking. And some days I only wrote 700 words. Other days I wrote over 2,000, sometimes 3,000. So just get started is the best tip I can give you. And obviously this is the start of anything, not just writing a book, but whatever your next big project is, you just need to start because the truth is this is physics. An object at rest tends to stay at rest until you know acted on by an outside force. And hopefully maybe I can be that outside force to you or something in your life that encourages you to push forward, a family thing, a life thing, whatever it might be, You know, bills you need to pay, whatever. You need some sort of force on the outside in order to take action. And of course, once an object is in motion, it starts to pick up momentum and accelerate, especially if you have a lot of help and encouragement along the way. And that's what I encourage you to find as you are beginning to write your book, not just do this all on your own, you need some help along the way. And that's really what helped me get through this very difficult thing. Just get started, get some help, hold yourself accountable and honor. Honor the fact that you are starting something amazing and then guess what? There's people out there who need to hear you on the other end or read you on the other end too. 
So number two, number two hard truth, you're not going to likely sell many books. It's very rare to see, you know, especially with just the numbers out there, on average, books sell less than 250 copies each. And I don't want to share this with you to deflate you, but I want to share this with you, especially for those of you who have already started to build a brand and have already started to build a following, hopefully maybe super fans as well. As you can see that, that's going to help you stand out and do and perform much better than many of the other authors out there. And this number comes from a Forbes article that was written that talks about, okay, how most authors authors who write books aren't putting the time and effort to market their books. They're just writing these books and kind of hoping and crossing their fingers because, you know, you hear about these success stories, especially in this in the fiction space of authors who write a story and it just picks up steam and then it just steamrolls their career and, and they're on the top of the world, right? But that's not going to happen. In most cases, we're going to sell as hard as we can market. And that's really important. That's why those of us who are building an online business or a brand and a website and a following and subscribers and most importantly, super fans who can help promote our book for us and will be the first wants to buy it and leave a review, you can see how important they are. That's going to help us in the long run for sure. But it makes me think about my good friend Hal Elrod, who has come on the show many times before, the author of Miracle Morning and his most recent book and his first traditionally published book, The Miracle Equation. I was sitting with him at the WeWork here in San Diego, which is where my office is in La Jolla. And we were having a chat about The Miracle Morning because The Miracle Morning has sold gosh, it's gotta be over a million copies at this point. And it's gotta be because it was over 600,000 copies in Brazil alone. I mean, it's become a worldwide phenomenon, right? So you think about how Elrod and the success behind his book, The Miracle Morning, and just how many people practice that and and the movement that it's created in his Facebook group of 250,000. It's just a beautiful, incredible thing. I asked him about like, okay, well, how did this take off? Like, tell me about the velocity as soon as it published. And it was really interesting because when the Miracle Morning published way back when, he said the first month, I think they sold like 3,700 copies. And the next month after that, it was like 2,200 and then 1,700. And then the just normal downward slope that you would expect to see with a book like that. And he had a little bit of a platform and had some help marketing it in the beginning. But even then, just those numbers are very small compared to what he's selling now. And he's selling tens of thousands a month at this point. So it doesn't mean that you won't sell many copies ever. What it means is that you have to hopefully build in a situation within your book that will help people want to spread that message for you. And that's the beauty behind Hal's book, The Miracle Morning, because people practice The Miracle Morning and then other people go, wait, why are you going to bed so early? And then people go, oh, I'm doing this thing called The Miracle Morning. What's that? Oh, it's this book. You should check it out because it has these things called savers, which are going to help you with your personal development every single day. It helps save this guy Hal's life and it can help save yours too. And you'll experience immediate benefits from that. And that behavioral change, as Hal told me, is the main reason why his book eventually ended up picking up steam and just doing incredibly well for him. And, you know, I think of books like Will It Fly? Will It Fly doesn't necessarily have that immediate behavioral change that'll get a person to talk about it the next day. But I am seeing sort of a slow sort of pickup again since launching it a a few years back because I've seen now people putting it into their curriculum for people that they teach business to or a lot of other online entrepreneurs picking up the book Will It Fly and saying, you know, hey, this is mandatory reading before you start any of this other stuff that I do, which is which is really cool. And I think that over time, Will It Fly is going to pick up even more steam. And I'm hoping Superfans does the same thing, although I think that with the time we live in now, especially with social media being very finicky nowadays and, and Facebook and Instagram and Twitter all sort of getting those algorithms in the way of, of our followers because our followers, yes, they, they kind of vote and say, yes, I want to follow this person yet. 
they don't see us all the time because of what's happening. And this is why email is huge, but it's also why super fans are huge because they'll follow you no matter what happens in social media. And I think now's the perfect time for a message like that to come out. So yeah, when it comes to selling books, you can't expect to sell a ton. And in fact, if you attempt to go the traditional route and sell your book as sort of a short manuscript or, or what do they call it, like a proposal for a traditional publisher. I mean, you may, you may get rejected a ton of times, but that doesn't mean it's over. That doesn't mean it's the end. It just means that it's a not right now or not right now with that particular group of people or publisher. I mean, uh, I'm thinking of Stephen King, right? His first big novel was Carrie, which went on to become a incredibly scary, horrific film, but a very good success. That was rejected, I think, 30 times. And uh, he actually put it in the wastebasket, right? He threw it away, but his wife took it out and he earned like 39 million from it in 2012. A Time to Kill, which is by John Grisham, is his, his first novel. It was rejected 12 times. Judy Bloom, who sold 80 million books, got nothing but rejections for two straight years. Uh, let's see, J.K. Rowling, right? The first author billionaire because of Harry Potter, obviously. Guess what? Harry Potter was rejected by a dozen British publishing houses, and uh, I think it got into print for just like a 1,500-pound advance, which is crazy, right? Dan Brown's The Da Vinci Code. He sold less than like 10,000 copies of each of his books before Da Vinci Code came out. So, you know, just keep writing, keep publishing, and understand that, you know, this is a process, but I think that those of us who have a platform and have a following and subscribership and especially super fans, I mean, we have a huge advantage over the, some of these authors that we just mentioned just now, which is really amazing. There's a lot of noise out there, right? But hopefully Hal's story and, and all these people's stories can, can help you push through that. Number three, you're likely not going to make a lot of money from it. Even very successful authors who sell many books, many copies. When you think about, yes, there's an advance and, and, and those can range from, I mean, I think a, a typical advance is $10,000, $5,000, depending on, you know, if you go traditional. And obviously, if you don't go traditional, you go self-publish. I mean, you're putting money out of your own pocket or out of your own business to actually make that happen and hopefully sell books and have an ROI on that. But when it comes to traditional, let's talk about traditional first. Obviously, after the advance, you have to sell a number of copies to make up for that. And then you are earning royalties anywhere between 50 cents, $1.20 cents per copy that you sell, even though your books may cost 10, 20, even $30, which is kind of amazing because that's such a small percentage. And that's the sort of big paradox of publishing in the, in the traditional world. You know, you're getting the distribution, you're getting an advance, and you're getting some help with a team and an editor, copy editor, all this stuff to make your book look pretty and put it out there into the world. Yet when it comes down to it, you're, you're making just a dollar or two per sale, if that, uh, in royalties uh, over time after you make up that advance. So it's just kind of interesting. And that's why it's called an advance. You're getting paid in advance and then you have to essentially kind of pay that back in a way with your sales that you make based on whatever deal that you make. And then you get sort of chump change for royalty. And then that's not good. And this is why you see a lot of traditional authors now moving into the self-publishing space, which is really cool because now you have more control. I mean, there's so many things that are advantageous in the self-publishing world from your control with the creative and the cover and the copy and all that stuff, the speed at which you can actually push out books. I mean, 
I wrote Superfans in November of 2018, and you know the first manuscript was completed in May, and then uh, you know the covers were completed, and now it's in print already, and it's already in my hands, and, and we're distributing it to a number of people early who want to help review it, and we're going to get it in people's hands in August, and, and that's incredible. That's super fast, as opposed to the proposal to shelf process of traditional, which may take several years sometimes. Distribution, obviously, is something that there's definitely advantages in traditional because they have those relationships. However, I will say, and I may dive into this in a later episode, but I want to give a big thanks to uh, a couple people. Daryl Vesterfeld, who gave me the recommendation to work with Ryan over at New Type Publishing. And this is really cool because you get the sort of benefits of traditional without the disadvantages of traditional. It's sort of a hybrid publishing model, if you will. And so in this case, I'm working with Ryan at New Type. I get to keep the rights of the book. It's still self-published, but the royalties are much better and it's not print on demand. I still have to bulk order a number of books up front and then he helps with distribution through New Type Publishing. But what's really cool is that he also helps with distribution. So as a result of this, I am able to have my book in Target, Barnes & Noble, and even in some uh, airports even though it's self-published and that's so amazing. And it's really cool that there are companies out there like that doing this for authors who have a message to share and just don't wanna get lost and taken advantage of in the traditional world. Other advantages of uh, self-publish, you know, wow, it's the profits, right? So New Type Publishing has a great sort of deal where I'm gonna make way more than anybody in traditional on these copies. Yes, there's no advance, but even though they are self-published, I get a lot of kickback on that still. And there's a little bit of a share with him because he's putting a lot of effort into the distribution and also the printing and all that stuff. But even if you were to just completely self-publish your book and go through Amazon and CreateSpace or what was formerly known as CreateSpace, Amazon's Kindle publishing house, and, and you can get your books print on demand and those kinds of things, I mean, you don't have to share that with anybody except the however much percentage Amazon's going to take, right? And it depends on what the price is, but typically they're taking 30% and you get to keep 70%, which is quite amazing. And uh, when you compare that to traditional, I mean, wow, it's incredible what the difference might be. But the truth is that even if you were to sell a lot of books, like I was saying earlier, you're not going to make a ton of money relative to a number of other money-making opportunities that you might have in front of you. And this is why I love business online because you can use tools like a book to start people going into your ecosystem, becoming a fan of yours and deep diving into other things that you might have available to them, such as, you know, there are things like courses or coaching and events and other offerings that you might have, not just the book. And I I remember a long time ago when I had even contemplated before writing my first book, writing a book one day, I had gone to uh, Jeremy Franson from Internet Business Mastery, old school, right? And I went to him and I said, hey, I'm thinking of uh, writing a book one day. And this is actually in the architecture space. I was thinking about doing this, like writing an actual book in the architecture space to tell people the kind of truth about the career of architecture and how it's not all roses and, and unicorns as I thought it would be when I got into school. But anyway, he was like, okay, then, okay, that's step one. What's step two? And I said, well, what do you mean what's step two? And he's like, well, your book is gonna lead people into what? And I said, no, I just wanna lead people into the book. And he's like, no, dude, you need to build a business around this. You need to have your book lead into something because those are the people who are gonna wanna work with you. And I was like, wow, that's great. And now I'm too scared to do this because I'm overwhelmed now. So I'm gonna go back to my blog and my podcast. And obviously I didn't write a book until 2013 when Let Go came out, which that was a relationship building tool for me. Will It Fly became something that put my flag in, in, in the ground to say, here I am and I'm somebody who knows something about business and I can help those of you who are just getting started. And with super fans, this is my method for you to grow your business and future-proof it. And that's, that's what I'm doing. And this is gonna bring more people into my ecosystem. Although I will say that, 
that Superfans is less about, okay, how it integrates into the other courses that I have into, you know, those kinds of things. Yes, it does integrate very well into my event FlynnCon, but it's less about that and it's more just this message that I want to share. And because it's not my first book, I felt that this is something I have to write. But the truth is you can make way more money writing a book if you think about what happens after people read this book. Where do you want them to go? How are you gonna get their email address? Where are you gonna place them? What are they gonna get involved with next? How can you position yourself to go from book to event to coaching program to online course to whatever it is that that else that you have to offer? Affiliate opportunities, those as well. There are so many more money-making opportunities that you have on top of the book. And this is why I think a book is an amazing tool for anybody in the online business space because number one, it adds to your credibility. Number two, it helps you sort of take control and really take ownership in these things that you are publishing about. And number three, it can help you lead people into something else you have to offer too. So if you're not doing that already, and maybe you have a book already, you can republish it with that in mind. But if you are going to publish a book, wow, what a great opportunity for you to integrate it into other parts of your business, similar to what we talked about last week when I had my writing coach, Azul, come on. If you haven't listened to that, episode 379 with Azul is a great one. He helped me fight through Will It Fly, and he has helped many, many, many other leaders create books that integrate well into their business, just like we're talking about right now. So, yep, you're not gonna make a ton of money, but there are ways to make a lot more from it. So that's good news. All right, hard truth number four. If you write something and you actually do take ownership in whatever it is that you're saying, and even if you don't, no matter what it is, you're going to open yourself up to potentially receive negative reviews. And I remember receiving some of my first negative reviews on my podcast and receiving a number of negative reviews on some of my first books and even Will It Fly? And those are hard to take, especially when you put so much time and effort and sweat into this publication that you're putting out, whether it's self-published or traditional, it doesn't matter. You're obviously doing it because you care about it and because you know it can help others. But when others don't see what you saw, it can be tough because whether it's a misalignment or they just don't agree with you, it's never fun, right? It's never fun to feel that kind of stuff. And if you haven't listened to episode 372 yet, definitely do that because that talks about really why people hate us online. Now, hate is a strong word and this is specifically speaking to those negative reviews that you get that are obviously trolls and people who are just trying to start up conversations and fight for attention. I mean, the truth is hurt people hurt people, right? And people who have the tenacity to leave such negative comments and talk about you personally or you know how terrible your work is, et cetera. I mean, sure, constructive criticism, like let's welcome it all day. You need that in your life. But disrespect and, and that sort of thing, just they're coming from a place of hurt. And really that's the biggest lesson you need to know. But if you wanna go deeper into why people hate us online and some stories that I personally have, you can listen to episode 372. But with anything, with a blog, a podcast, video channel, YouTube especially, wow, YouTube is, is, is just prime ground for sort of bad people. But when you publish a book on Amazon and anywhere else, you're going to open yourself up to receive reviews and ratings and feedback. And sometimes, and hopefully those ratings and that feedback will be positive, but other times it might be negative. And I think that as you approach this world of putting yourself in a more vulnerable state by publishing such a book, you just have to expect 
that it could go either way. And when it does come toward the more negative side, you can, number one, make sure to listen to the respectful comments that are sharing what the disagreements are or what was perhaps missing. Make any corrections if needed, which is the beauty of a self-published book as well. You can, you know, in the next iteration, especially if it's just electronic, you can make some changes and publish it the next day even. Uh, If you have to do another another print run, obviously, you're going to have to wait for some time. But that's something that you can change fairly quickly, which is really cool. But if it's something you can't change, if they just disagree with you, then just agree to disagree. I mean, there are people out there in this world who have certain values and, and, you know, missions that may not align with yours, and that's totally okay. So if you are aiming for 100% five-star reviews, don't, because it's not going to happen. And actually, it looks a little bit kind of awkward when you see a book review area on Amazon, and and it has hundreds of five-star reviews and zero of anything else. It, It looks a little odd, right? Because it's, that's just not normal. And so if you write with care in mind and, and, and sharing this message and you are putting time and effort into the quality of it, then hopefully it'll be more on the higher side. And the most important thing is just you learn as you go and find that support when you need it. If you are getting some negative reviews and, and you need somebody to talk to you, I mean, let me know on, on Twitter or Instagram. I, I feel you because I felt that before and it's almost made me quit. Don't quit. Just keep going, keep improving. And that's the most important thing. So the hard truth number four is that, you know, a book is something that it's it's much like owning a restaurant, right? You are allowing for people to come in and consume and you are allowing for people to come in and judge you. And that's going to be something that may not always be pretty, but hey, you got to keep serving that food for people who want to consume it, right? So let's hopefully not have a Yelp situation and have more positive comments than negative. And uh, I wish you all the best with that. And then number five, and finally, the hard truth about writing this thing that you are creating is that it's gonna take some work for you to sell it. It's a little bit on the same lines like we talked about before about having your platform, building your market, you know, understanding your target market, writing for them, creating a message that really resonates with them. So understanding who your target reader is is obviously huge, but the more that you can market your book and spend time doing that, the better. Do not just pump out books to pump out books and just kind of hope because the more you do that, the more time you are wasting because there's so many people that do need to read your books and we're not often putting in the effort to get it in front of them. I remember when I first started thinking about writing books in a more uh, sort of rhythmic cadence moving forward, meaning like several times per year, like four or five books per year, I was on a call with Ramit Sethi from I Will Teach You To Be Rich and he was like, dude, you're going to publish how, like I, I told him that we were planning on publishing four books and he was like, dude, you're going to publish four books. And I said, yeah, we're going to space it out once per quarter. It's going to be great. We're going to cover all these topics. First of all, I hadn't yet attempted to write one of these business books yet at this time. So, you know, even if I had planned to do this, it probably wouldn't have happened because it was just such a huge challenge to start writing this thing until I got together with Azul, as we talked about in the last episode. But he was like, dude, one book per year, if that. And I was like, why? And he's like, because you need to spend the rest of the year marketing it, dude. And it makes complete sense. And whenever I I think about, you know, pro marketers and and people who just know how to do this thing online, Ramit Sethi definitely does come to the top of my mind. And he just recently published his book, I Will Teach You To Be Rich, uh, self-titled to his website. And it's the second edition. And it went on to become a Wall Street Journal bestseller and a USA Today bestseller. And I'm just, you know, I definitely follow in his footsteps for a lot of what he does. And any advice he gives me, I definitely put it into practice. And one of those pieces of advice he gave me was work on that book and, and get it out there and then market it. 
Like get it in front of people. And this is why you're seeing a lot of content on SPI lately about books because my marketing strategy that has been the strategy that I've used for years, and this is something you should do, is to let people in behind the scenes. And a lot of you know uh, and, and were following me in November when I started this process and have been keeping up with me ever since. I've been getting messages from people saying they can't wait because they've been just building this anticipation for what this book has become ever since I started talking about it You know, in November. So my behind the scenes strategy has always worked really well because I want to build a relationship with my audience, give them something special to remember and share and think about. And it also ties into when launch happens and that's next month in uh, August of 2019 here. And that's one thing I love to do, let people in behind the scenes and have that kind of speak for itself in terms of the quality, in terms of the value that I'm giving. Hopefully this episode and the episodes that are coming out this month are huge value to you as you consider your book writing career. And then, of course, as I know, I've taught this before, the more you give, the more you get back. And hopefully giving to you has convinced you to, you know, want to give back in a way that is easy. And that is as simple as going to yoursuperfans.com and pre-ordering the book. And if you do that again before August 13th, you get the audiobook for free. And I'm just so stoked to, to get that to you. And uh, a lot of you saw the behind the scenes of me and even my video on YouTube about going into the recording studio to record the audiobook and, and why I recorded at a professional studio versus just doing it on my mic here at home and those kinds of things and all that value along the way. I'm just, I know that the universe is going to pay me back in one way or another. So that's my biggest strategy. But obviously, we are putting things into place. We do have some advertising and things that are going to be happening behind the scenes too. And obviously, the biggest thing that I've done for myself is built up enough trust with my audience on the podcast here and all my other platforms over the past 10 years or almost 11 years now. I've been doing this since October of 2008. So man, it's it's just been an amazing thing to see that uh, this band of super fans that I've built over time is there to support me. And that's something that I cannot stress enough how important that is. It takes some time, but you need to start now, especially with where things are headed. And so if you're just starting out your business, I highly recommend checking out Superfans to understand how in the beginning, as soon as people find you for whatever it is that you choose to focus your efforts on, they're gonna start to get into your environment that you're teaching them and, and, and understand that you are their person, their go-to person, that you will become their favorite. And that's really where it starts and then how to take them from there to becoming a part of a community to then understanding that you know they have to be your ambassador because you've given so much life, so much value. So that's what's really taught in the book Superfans with very strategic tactics that will help you literally step-by-step make that happen. And if you already have a business and you've been up and running for a while, I encourage you to focus more on the efforts of building Superfan-like experiences for your brand versus just the advertising and the SEO, which yes, is important. But what happens when people come to your website? How are you gonna treat them? How are you gonna get them to uh, climb that uh, that pyramid to the top where those super fan those super fans exist. That's where the magic happens in your brand. That's where you find the most engagement, the most community, the most customers, and that's what you need to do. Because guess what? Those people are also going to promote your brand and brand new people in who aren't who aren't coming in cold like they would with SEO or with paid traffic. They're coming in warm because somebody else who trusts you, who loves you, already convinced them to trust you as well. So super fans, I hope you all check it out, yoursuperfans.com. Thank you so much. And I hope that these truths uh, speak to you. So let's cover them one more time. I, I kind of reordered them based on my list that I have in front of me here. So I hope that I can get them right here uh, again. So number one is that this is just not easy. It is not easy, but the best thing you can do is just get started. Number two is that you may not sell a lot of books and it's actually very common to not sell a lot of books, even up front, yet 
that doesn't mean it's the end. Your launch doesn't mean the end of your book sales. In fact, for many people, it is just the beginning, especially if you have a book that makes change and gets people to talk about it as well. Number three, you're likely not going to make a lot of money from it. However, as I mentioned, there are many, many, many more money-making opportunities on top of that book. Whether you use that book as a way for you to get more on more stages or you know that kind of thing, like a big business card, if you will, or get more opportunities, or a way for you to drive people into an email list to then drive them into a course or an event that you have or other offering, a coaching service of some kind. There's so much more money on top of the book. Remember, what's step two? Your book is step one. What's next? That's step two. Number four, you're likely putting yourself out there into the world and may be receiving negative reviews uh, down the road. And I don't wish that upon anybody, but I know that that's possible and it's happened to me and it may happen to you too. And I think it's just coming from a place of, you know, wanting to try and please everybody. I think that that's the wrong way to approach building anything, trying to please everybody. If you're trying to please everybody, you're going to please nobody or at least not give anybody enough to have them rave about whatever it is that you're creating. So own a stance on something and take a stand. And what that means is there's gonna be probably people who disagree with you and that's totally okay. And the number five here is that it just it's gonna take work for you. It's going to take work to sell this thing. And the bigger and better your platform is and more honestly and more importantly, the stronger your platform is, the trust that you have with your audience, the more you have of that, the easier it is for you to be selling more books. And uh, hopefully that that all helps you. So thank you so much. I appreciate you again, Team Flynn. You're amazing. Good luck on your upcoming books. If you are working on a book or have one coming up, let me know on uh, at Pat Flynn on Twitter or Instagram. I'd love to just give you a shout out or say hi to some of you if I can. And I uh, just thank you for all the good lucks and well wishes here for this launch. We're stacking up a lot of pre-orders, hopefully for a big launch day, as well as, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. The lists aren't important, but we made the list with Will It Fly three years ago, and I'm hopeful. That's the Wall Street Journal list, and and we'll see where this ends up. But thank you all for your support. We're in this together. Just you are the main reason why, super fans, this new book exists, because a lot of you who are super fans have convinced me that this is really why we should be doing business. So thank you so much. I appreciate you. Team Flynn for the win. And make sure you check out Superfans. Get it at yoursuperfans.com and pre-order it. Submit your receipt there before August 13th and we'll get you the audiobook the moment the book comes out. So thank you so much. Cheers and Team Flynn for the win. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com. So podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI. And today, I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast. Yes, a brand new podcast called Flops. Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point. So I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray. And in it, they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, setbacks, and flat-out failures. These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there because we all experience it, right? We all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John, who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure, and it always finds a bright side. I really love it, and I think you will too. 
So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it.